This is Taiwan Bound, the English language podcast of Tel Aviv University. Please welcome your host, Ido Aroni, Tel Aviv University's graduate, member of the Board of Governors, lecturer, writer, and veteran diplomat. Welcome to another episode of Tau Unbound. I'm Ido Aroni, your host, and it is my great pleasure to host today in our humble studio, Dr. Michael Milstein. Thank you, Ido. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. I would say that in Hebrew we say Michael, but for the purpose of, of this podcast, uh, we will refer to you as Michael. Michael is the head of the Forum for Palestinian Studies at the Dayan Center at uh, Tel Aviv University. It's the uh, premier center, really, for Middle Eastern and Near Eastern, Eastern Studies. He also served as an advisor to the Palestinian Affairs to the coordinator of government operations in the territories known as COGAT, 2015 to 2018. He is the author of several books. We'll talk about one of them specifically about Hamas. Uh, he wrote extensively about what the Palestinians referred to as the Nakba, meaning the calamity of 1948. Uh, and he also holds the rank of colonel. And I know that right now you are actually recruited to serve in the Army Reserves during the October 7th uh, uh, war. So, so again, thank you for taking the time. I know you're very you. busy. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, we would like to uh, obviously concentrate on your area of expertise, which is what's happening on the Palestinian side, but we also would like to talk about what you think should happen on the Israeli, Israeli side. Israeli yes. But let's start with the big question. What makes, I mean, we've, we've all seen the brutality on October 7th, um, but we've seen brutality among Muslims before. That's right. The ISIS killing Al-Qaeda and ISIS killing the Yazidis and so on and so forth. What makes October 7th so unique from the Palestinian perspective? Well, actually, as you uh, described it, uh, Ido, October the 7th was not only, you know, a round of escalation or, or a very limited uh, military move. It's much broader, much deeper uh, event. Actually, it's one of the most important events in the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know, never during the, the last 100 years of this conflict, there was not such a bloody a day like October the 7th from the uh, Israeli point of view. And there was not such a, a bloody uh, a period from the Palestinian point of view. We are speaking right now about 20,000 uh, people who were killed, casualties in the Palestinian uh, side. So it, it really makes this whole war, not only the, the event of October the 7th, it's really one of the uh, the most dramatic ebbs of the, of the relations between Israel and the Palestinians. And you mentioned correct the brutality that uh, that uh, uh, was exposed in in October the seventh, and you know I I am asking myself a lot, and 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 I must admit that I was very critical toward the, the Israeli uh, policy uh, regarding Gaza during the last two years. And I always try to say that, listen, the whole issue of economic peace and uh, let's promote uh, uh, permits and export and import toward Gaza and it will make the uh, the likelihood of, uh, of escalation lower. I, I, I said for, for long years that, uh, that this whole policy is wrong, but I was still surprised 
by the events of October the 7th from two point, uh, points of view. First, and you mentioned it, Ido, the brutality. You know, I know Hamas for three decades. I met people from Hamas, leaders from Hamas. I knew that, of course, uh, one of the basic uh, characters of this uh, movement is, the, uh, is the, 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 the violence, the brutality. But I must admit that such a brutality that, uh, to, uh, that was exposed in this day, this horrible day, was much above above any my, 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 the, uh, thing I imagined. And the second was the size of the offensive that uh, took place on this, uh, on this uh, dark uh, Saturday. You know, uh, in Israel, uh, in the past, uh, and also uh, in the evening of, of this, uh, this uh, uh, event, the, the October the 7th, we uh, were ready for, uh, for a much more limited uh, offensive. You know, uh, maybe 20, 30, 50 Hamas terrorists that will get out of uh, Gaza, maybe try to take one of the bases, maybe try to, uh, to kidnap a soldier. But 3,000 terrorists in one uh, in one point in uh, in uh, you know uh, uh, also uh, aerial and naval efforts in the same time coordinated. This was much above anything that we in Israel were, were used to, and of course the intelligence and the decision makers, the political and the military one, uh, thought about and assessed about uh, about now, Hamas. Let me ask you something uh, as a, as a colonel in the army. If I'm thinking about three thousand Israeli inf- well-trained Israeli infantry penetrating a totally civilian area, uh, I would think of a much a much more devastating damage that they could have inflicted. So in many ways, despite of the fact that we are all shocked by the achievements of Hamas, sure. wouldn't you agree that it could have been much worse? No doubt. No doubt, but you know, uh, Ido, everything is uh, is uh, relative. Uh, if it was one of the Arab uh, armies that, you know, they are very trained, they're, they're, they have a lot of advanced am- uh, ammunition and weapons, so uh, I would agree with you. But this is the first time Hamas, actually led by Yehi Sanwar, uh, promoted such a dramatic uh, offensive. I do assess that uh, in Israel, we had uh, some, uh, some assumptions about Hamas that, uh, you know, m- many of us in Israel, I'm, I'm not speaking only about intelligence, I'm speaking also about political decision makers. They assess that, yeah, you know, they can uh, promote uh, a very limited uh, terror attack. They, of course, they can, they can uh, uh, penetrate in, into, into our territory and commit a terror attack. But this this time they really promoted strategic offensive. You know, it was very similar to army. It, it wasn't an army, yeah. It was a guerrilla, but it was so surprising. It was really above all the assessments that had in Israel, and it also proved that the basic image of the Israelis and mainly of the of the army about Hamas was totally wrong, even twisted uh, about their capabilities and about their intentions. Yeah, and I read somewhere that the real comparison uh, should be to the 1968 Tet Offensive uh, by the Viet Cong. Yeah, by the Viet Cong. And and also, a lot of people talk about the comparison between Hamas and ISIS because of the brutality. That's right. I read somewhere that the actual comparison should be between Hamas and Taliban because these are both governing uh, organizations. But let's go back to um, the question of 
Um, you know, how sides that are defeated in conflict respond. And you wrote an, an eye-opening piece in which you indicate something very unique. You say the Palestinians are historically unique in the sense that they never accepted their defeat. That's right. And, and therefore, their view of the world, which is a zero-sum view, prevents them from reaching the conceptual level of compromise. So tell us more about that insight, which I think is profound. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think, Ido, that uh, not only October the 7th, but also uh, uh, the broad responses of, uh, of the Arabs, of the Muslims in the whole, in the whole world to this event are also actually uh, giving us a, a reflection to this, this assumption. And regarding the Palestinians... But to tell us about the, that yeah. response. Tell us about the response. Yeah, uh, we are speaking about, you know, since October the 7th, there was not even one prominent intellectual, author, uh, journalist, uh, of course, a, a politician that uh, uh, said, listen, it doesn't matter uh, what is the broad context of the, of the Israeli-Palestinian uh, uh, conflict. What ha the, the things that happened on October the 7th were, were horrible. You know, it, 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 those are war crimes. Those are, war, uh, those are uh, uh, really crimes against humanity. And you know, also crimes against Islam. And the, you know, the, the, I think there were actually three. Three figures in the in the Arab world that that said uh, uh, such a things. The first is Mansour Abbas, the Knesset member, the head of Ram, the uh, the Joint Arab List uh, that uh, represents the uh, southern branch of the Islamic uh, uh, Islamic movement, and he is a very brave a brave leader. He really, you know, uh, uh, demonstrate a very a very clear message about about what happened uh, on on this uh, on. on on that uh, dark uh, Saturday, and he said, this is not Islam, exactly li li like you said, this is a contradiction to the basic values of Islam. The other one was the, uh, the Moroccan author, uh, Tahir bin Jaloun, who was very much attacked by the whole Arab world because his his uh, uh, criticism against Hamas, and the third one is the Prime Minister of uh, of Bahrain, that a month ago also, uh, in a very clear announcement, said, uh, Hamas committed war crimes. Those are war crimes. You cannot only, uh, you know, blame Israel that yeah, for because of the occupation and a and a long, uh, a, a long, a, a lot of years of of uh, discrimination. Uh, you deserve uh, to be uh, to be uh, victims of a massacre. It, it, it's not reasonable, and unfortunately, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Ido. In, in the Palestinian discourse, in the political, social, cultural discourse for about 100 years, you see actually two, uh, two kinds of response. The first one is to be, uh, it's, not, it's not aggressive, it's to be militant. You know, in 1936, in 1947, uh, in uh, the year of 2000, they, they, they're always very proud to promote a very uh, what they call uh, uh, you know uh, glorious attacks against the enemy against the Zionism but on the other hand uh, after about uh, one month a year two years they became a victims so they 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 are concentrated in the victimization of of the this uh, this uh, those uh, events and you see only two two polars two two kind of uh, responses attacks and being uh, uh, being uh, uh, victims and you know between them 
there, there are very few uh, Palestinian politicians or intellectuals that said, listen, we must find a, a, a space, a, 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 a place when we uh, need to, to, uh, to uh, develop a, a, crump, a compromise. Uh, we understand that we cannot get all the uh, the uh, uh, the strategic aims we want, and we don't want to be uh, you know the those who uh, always suffer in history. So let us let's build uh, uh, more realistic uh, goals. For example, uh, one of the Palestinians' uh, prime ministers of uh, a decade ago, Salam Fayyad. Now he's lecturer in Princeton. Uh, he was a, a prime minister between uh, tw uh, 2007 to 2012. He spoke about building civil society, about building the Palestinian arena bottom-up, about being focused on the young generation, on, on, on prosperity, on the future. And uh, actually, uh, you know, in the Palestinian politics, uh, it, it is too much, because if you don't speak uh, about uh, militant uh, goals, about slogans, about revolutionary, so we are not you are not uh, attractive enough yeah. and, and let, he let had to resign something about that because I remember Salam Fayyad yeah. was talking about it even before he became prime minister when he was minister of finance that's right uh, would you say that Israel um, missed an opportunity with Mahmoud Abbas known uh, as Abu Mazen because you know with all of his faults and there are many faults with him uh, he's still committed to nonviolence. That's so right. He's, he doesn't believe in a, in a violent opposition to, to Israel. Do you think we missed an opportunity with him? Well, you know, I'm asking myself a lot this question, uh, Ido, and I'm not sure because, you know, Mahmoud Abbas was born in the 30s. He, he's, you know, he, he, he was, uh, I think he was uh, 15 or 16 years old when the Nakba uh, took place and he was deported from uh, Safad, Tzfat, to, uh, to Syria. So he is the representative of, of a very old generation in the Palestinian arena. I'm not sure that he's ready enough, that his uh, ideological DNA is good enough in order to, to achieve uh, historic uh, de decisions for the Palestinians. You know, I'm not speaking about giving up the, the dreams of uh, return, but being focused on, on statehood, on, 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 uh, on prosperity. I do think that, for example, Salam Fayyad, I think that uh, we in Israel and the Palestinians, uh, we, we, this is uh, actually... Um, uh, uh, missing for for the for both uh, uh, peoples because I do think that he could really promote such a, a realistic discourse. And unfortunately, today when you check the Palestinian leadership, the Palestinian uh, uh, political arena in a broad manner, you see almost no no leader who really speaks you know in a very realistic manner about uh, maybe uh, negotiations with Israel, maybe. Uh, uh, Put aside all the all these revolutionary slogans of the 20th century, and uh, unfortunately, I think that this war—I mean, the, the war in Gaza—made the whole atmosphere in the Palestinian arena much more extreme. You can see, according to all the polls uh, that were uh, uh, published, I think it was a, a week ago, that more and more Palestinians support the ideas of armed struggle, of uh, more support uh, uh, Hamas. And I, I'm quite, you know, I don't want to be total pessimistic, but I do think that those are bad news for both uh, peoples. Right. You mentioned the Moroccan intellectual, El yeah, Jaloun, Ben Jaloun, Ben Jaloun, who also said that October seventh uh, dealt a, a death blow uh, to the 
to the two-state solution. Would you would you agree with that? What what do you think is going to be the impact of October 7 on the two-state solution? Yeah, you know, it seems like a, an illusion, a dream that belongs to the, to the past. You know, I think that uh, in Israel, I, I speak right now about the Israelis. We had... Uh, dramatic shock uh, because of uh, October the 7th. I think that many, many kind of uh, of dreams, of ideas that many of us had before this uh, event were gone uh, after after this, uh, this uh, trauma. And uh, I think that the Israelis today have two basic lessons, conclusions from the events of October the 7th. One, one is that uh, we and the Palestinians cannot live together in one entity. You know, the, there are many peoples in Israel, for example, uh, the ministers Smotrich and Ben-Gvir, that they even wish that we will live in one entity, one state between the river and the sea, and they tell us that everything will be okay, the two communities can live under Israeli uh, a majority, and, you know, it will look like the Bosnia, like the Balkan. It will not be any, any kind of heaven. And the other conclusion... And actually, this conclusion stands in contradiction to the first one, is that, okay, let's say that we, we, we don't want to live together. A Palestinian independence actually imbues uh, an existential threat to Israel. Because they, they, the Palestinians, they for about two decades used the freedom. And Gaza was, was quite independent after 2005, after Israel retreated from this place. They will use it in order to promote more and more military threat against Israel. So if you're taking those two conclusions, you're asking yourself, okay, what will happen next? And you know, two-state solutions, it, it, it really belongs to the past. I do think that we should think about separation, physical one, you know, borders between Israel and the Palestinians in Gaza and in the West Bank. But there is one, uh, one, uh, one uh, important point that must be implemented. The borders between Palestine, and I don't care if this uh, entity will call autonomy, state, empire, uh, the, the borders between this entity and the world, the gates of this entity to, to the world, cannot be uh, controlled by the Palestinians. I'm speaking about the border between Gaza and Sinai, and I'm speaking also about, about the border, the, the, the Jordan Valley, between the West Bank and Jordan. And I do think that most of the Israelis, after the October the 7th, they, they understood that, you know, you cannot continue with the, with the same situation regarding the Palestinians. You must uh, promote uh, uh, really uh, uh, historic decisions. And I do just hope that those decisions will be led by a very realistic, very clever leadership in uh, Israel. Yeah, and the question is, more than clever, we need them to be creative. That's right. Because what you're talking about also requires the demilitarization of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So That's it's right. not only that they will not be able to control their borders with Egypt and with Jordan, but also within, someone needs to make sure that they're not acquiring the, the same military capability. I, I agree with you. And you know, there is another point, uh, Idon. The, the, w 
we always, uh, you know, are very focused on the military uh, level of weapons and rockets and, and, and all kinds of, uh, of, uh, of uh, threats. But there is also the question about minds, about consciousness. You know, we, we, when we are speaking about uh, future settlement between the two, the two communities, we also need to think about, about the way the two uh, young generations are educated. And, you know, right now, at least in the Palestinian side, the, the situation is horrible. Of course, in Gaza, the, the Gen Z was educated, the Jews and Israelis, you know, they are not human at all. You need to promote jihad against them. And uh, this is the aim of your life. The situation in the West Bank is not very much different. And I do think that one of the, the tasks that the two communities, and maybe also the international community, should promote is the changes in, in, in the consciousness of, of, of the two peoples and mainly in the Gen Z. Now, let me ask you something, because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big student of, um, of foreign policy and, the, and the, the Marshall Plan that the United States implemented in both Germany and Japan post-World War II is a big success of That's American right. foreign policy. And one of the things that they did is exactly what you're talking about. They took two societies that were extremely violent, the German society was responsible for all the calamities of the 20th century. Tens of millions of people died because of them. And through the implementation of education and cultural foundations, mm -hmm. we were able to turn them completely around into democratic, peace-loving, pacifistic societies. Amazing. Question is, do you yes. think this can be done with the Palestinians? You know, it's 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 amazing question because the American thought about those two states when they uh, uh, promoted the uh, the war in Iraq in 2003, and they, they said and uh, they had the same argument. We had a, a dramatic success in Japan and in Germany after 45. So. Why, why it should be so different in Iraq? And we all know that Iraq is a failure. Uh, they, you know, the, the whole issue of, uh, of uh, engineer, engineering the minds of people and taking this, uh, this uh, 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 very tough state and, and, and um, you know, promoting it to the level of democracy and nation, a nation state was, was failed. I do think that regarding the Palestinians, there are two basic problems, very similar to, to Iraq. First of all, in Japan and in Germany, before the war, they had a very developed uh, civil society and uh, political uh, system in Germany during the uh, Weimar uh, uh, period and also in Japan bef uh, before the generals took uh, control over the, uh, the state. And they, so they, can, they could restore this uh, old uh, system. This is not the same situation in the, in the Palestinian area. They don't have enough developed uh, uh, political or cultural or social uh, uh, heritage. The other problem is that both, uh, both peoples, and mainly the Germans, they really, you know, had a very frank discourse about the, the past. And they, 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 you know, they were very, very uh, 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 tough with themselves and said that, the past was horrible. We were responsible for war crimes. This is our responsibility. Unfortunately, right now, you cannot find the same discourse among the Palestinians. You know, there, there is almost nothing that they can describe as a mistake. For example, when you're asking the Palestinians, do you remember 47, the, uh, the UN resolution about, about a partition of, of uh, Palestine? You could have a state. And there is no Palestinian right now that would say... 
okay, it was very wrong to, uh, to, to start a war against you, against the Israelis, because we lost any, any, any chance to have a, a, a big state, not, not a, a small state. And I do think that maybe if there will be another leadership, there will be a younger leadership, there will be a, a leadership with, which is much more focused, not on the past, but in the future, maybe we will see other, other uh, kinds of, uh, of targets, other kinds of, uh, of uh, discourses in, in the Palestinian arena. And, you know, I do hope, uh, Ido, that I do not mix between assessments and wishful thinkings. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know what, but let's, since you brought it up, It's an interesting topic. Can you share with us some, some options, some names of people that are being in consideration would you on the Palestinian side for the day after post uh, Mahmoud Abbas? Yeah, you know, it's a big, big and even sad question mark because right now when you, you, when you uh, check the gallery of the, of the, of the, the fears that can, uh, can be the, the, the next leaders, they're all, you know, they, 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 they all... Are coming from the same world, the same political and ideological war. You're speaking about people like Jibril Rajoub, one of the the prominent uh, figures in of uh, Fatah, which is also a very hardliner ideologically against Israel. You are speaking even about about uh, Marwan Barghouti. He is for 20 years in Israeli in Israeli prison, and maybe he will be released uh, during this war, the current war, because of any future uh, 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 hostages uh, or prisoners uh, deal. And you're also speaking about uh, leaders like Muhammad Ahlan. He's uh, one of the uh, the. toughest rivals of, of Mahmoud Abbas. He's not here. He's not in the territories. He's in Abu Dhabi. And he, uh, he considered the current war as an opportunity to come back to the, uh, to the uh, Palestinian arena. But except them, you know, I, I always even wish that there will be a black swan. You know, something that we, we, we do not see right now that will come from nowhere and maybe could be the the next uh, leader now, now let me ask you something the when you look at the history of successful national movements meaning movements that their uh, efforts resulted in the creation statehood right so yes. Zionism that appeared in 19th century is the only successful national movement of that time that's right uh, because it produced a state a real state here we are But when you look at the history of those movements, there was always a moment where the mainstream had to face its own internal opposition. That's right. And it happened in Zionism. It happened in the, you know, in almost every... In Ireland, for example. In Ireland, uh, even in the United States. That's right. Everywhere. It did not happen with the Palestinians. That's right. What's the reason it did not happen and what are the chances it will happen in the future? You know, it's amazing because we also uh, mentioned Ireland, uh, the, uh, the Irish uh, independence war of uh, Michael Collins, which was very similar to what happened in, in Israel uh, in, the, in the 30s and in the 40s. They also understood that, you know, there is a time that you have to, to compromise. You, you cannot achieve every 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 uh, 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 in, uh, uh, strategic goal you want you cannot achieve the whole control over Ireland for example and uh, it the same things uh, the same thing uh, happened also in India under under uh, Mahatma Gandhi regarding the Palestinians 
this is, you know, it's not, I, I do not want to, to, to judge them, of course. I do not want to, you know, to, uh, uh, to, do, to take any uh, paternalistic uh, 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 pattern of, of, uh, of uh, thinking, but I, it's amazing that they can, there was no leader in the Palestinian arena that could really take the whole arena and, uh, uh, you know, remove it from the ideological, ongoing uh, uh, path of dreams of, yeah, we will achieve uh, control over all historic Palestine. We will return all the, uh, all the uh, uh, refugees and tell them, listen, those are dreams. Maybe you can, you can implement them in about 100, 200 years, but not tomorrow. Let's now be focused on, on, on society, economy, uh, infrastructure. Th th those are better things. And you, when you check, for example, the Mufti, Hajamin al-Husseini, and Arafat, and, uh, of course, Hamas leadership, uh, Abu Mazen is somewhere in between. No one could really, you know, like Ben-Gurion, like Michael Collins, and like Mahatma Gandhi, take the whole national movement to much more realistic uh, uh, space, and I think it's a tragedy, but you know we don't. It's a tragedy of the Palestinians because they find themselves in an ongoing ebb. But it's also a tragedy, a tragedy, a tragedy of the of the Israelis because we are. This is like uh, you know Siamic twins. We cannot separate from each other. We we are uh, uh, tied to each other. So I do think that every every negative. Pro or a problem of the of the Palestinians is also our prob problem, and we should together think and and solve it. Now let's talk about the day after. So we are deep after the war. Yes, yeah. we are deep into the war. The Israeli leadership recklessly promised at the very beginning that they're going to wipe Hamas off the face of the of the earth, and we all know especially those of us Israelis that serve in the army. We all know that while it is doable to say, yes, we can neutralize Hamas military capacity, we cannot destroy or eradicate Hamas right. as a state of mind. No, that's right. So let's assume, for the sake of argument, that Israel is successful uh, disarming Hamas and possibly even expelling the leadership of Hamas. Then what? Do we have a plan? Yeah, and you know, this is the most important question that the Israeli public should ask his leadership right now. What, he, what will be in the day after? This is not, you know, an issue that you need uh, to, uh, to deal about only in the, in, the, uh, in the government. This is an issue that should be discussed between the society and the leadership. And the leadership doesn't, doesn't give. I, I think, according to my opinion, uh, a deep, a, a, enough deep and detailed answer to the, the people. And right now, when we're thinking about the future, I think that, you know, Israel uh, faces in front of several uh, alternatives. All of them are bad, and we need to choose the least worst alternative out of them. There are all kinds of, I think, bizarre ideas of, uh, you know, uh, uh, promoting a transfer of the Palestinians out of Gaza to the northern parts of Sinai. And the meaning uh, of, of this kind of a project is uh, actually uh, the, uh, uh, ruining the, the relations, the strategic one between the Egyptians and, and Israel. And I, I don't think that uh, there is any likelihood for, for such an idea. There is other idea of controlling directly on Gaza for a long time. And I think that President Biden a month ago 
actually uh, said in a very clear language to Israel, no go. It won't happen. You know, of course, you cannot reestablish the, the settlements in this area. There is a very other bad idea of getting into uh, Gaza, uh, causing a very a severe damage to Hamas, and as you described it, Ido, also maybe erasing the political and the military capabilities of Hamas, but then to get out of Gaza immediately. And the meaning is that you create uh, a vacuum a vacuum that will be filled by all kind of even more crazy guys than Hamas, all kind of jihadist uh, organizations. And of course, this is not, uh, we are speaking about uh, a dramatic future threats on Israel. And there are two other uh, alternatives that Israel, I think, should concern in a in much more serious manner. The first one is to convince the PA to return to Gaza. The main problem is that the PA is very weak. It barely controls the, the West Bank, you know, for example, in Janine area and the northern parts of Samaria, they, they do not control it all. And they, uh, you know, for about 16 years, they haven't been in Gaza. The, the, the people in Gaza were educated by Hamas that Abu Mazen is a collaborator with Israel and you should hate him. So we, I think that, you know, it is much above their capabilities to return to Gaza and to be a very effective uh, uh, regime. The last alternative, which is full of question marks, uh, I, 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 I do not describe it as ideal uh, alternative, is maybe to establish a local administration, Palestinian one, in Gaza, based on uh, local powers, uh, such as heads of clans, of tribes, mayors, uh, senior figures in Fatah, uh, in the academia, taking them and giving them the responsibility of the civil affairs in, in Gaza and for the public order. And I assess that in, in a gradual man manner, they can be uh, uh, the, the address. Uh, for the for the 2.2 million uh, people in Gaza, it won't be easy. It will be full of problems. You mentioned correct, uh, uh, Ido, that Hamas is not going to to be vanished. They, it will exist, maybe as an opposition, maybe as an underground, but but they will exist and they will uh, uh, promote uh, create a lot of problems. And uh, but I do think that this is the beginning. Maybe it can be a beginning, and of course I, I forgot to, to to mention that this entity that will will be established in Gaza will have a very a very close relation, or even uh, it will be uh, under the PA as a part of of the PA, maybe uh, a new PA, much more uh, uh, much more uh, much better PA, and maybe this could be the 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 basic uh, layer, the basic uh, uh, the basic. Um, situation that can bring the both both com communities to any kind of uh, of better political uh, settlement in uh, in the future now michael we can continue this conversation for hours because <laughs> no you're doubt. such an, an engaging uh, guest and we'd love to have you again let me ask you one last question before we we conclude our our podcast for today you know you you spoke about um the various scenarios, and I'm thinking about how Israel got stuck in Lebanon for 18 years. That's right. Right, something that started as a short-term incursion into Lebanon ended only after 18 years, and I, hopefully we're not uh, heading in the same direction. But I'd like to think you, I'd like to ask you, because you did study the American reaction to 9-11 in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is what happened in America. 9-11 happened the ground invasion 
happened only a year and a half after 9-11. That's Meaning, right. The Americans took the time to build the military capacity. And I'm, I'm, I'm disregarding the outcome. You can argue about the outcome. You're right. But the way they did it, they built military units, they created weapon systems, they trained their forces, they prepared their forces. It took them a year and a half. During that time, the world had enough time to absorb what happened to them on 9-11. You're right. The world had enough time to appreciate. The American administration had enough time to build the diplomatic support for their invasion, to build an international coalition. All those things require strategic thinking. That's right. Which we did not see after October 7th. That's right. And my question to you is, what needs to happen in order for Israel to somehow come out of this victorious? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that the term victorious is, is really, uh, you know, it's the right uh, term uh, to describe any kind of, uh, of uh, uh, ending point in, in this kind of conflict. I do think that we can speak about uh, dramatic or, or historic decisions that will be taken uh, by Israel. And, for example, I do assess that if Israel will remove Hamas from its current position and will start in a very slow, gradual manner to build a new uh, political and, and civil infrastructure in Gaza, it will be enough. It will be, you know, very tough. It will be full of, 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 full of uh, disappointments. But, you know, the, it is much more realistic than to think that, yeah, we are coming to Gaza, we will kill Yihya uh, Sanwar, we will create immediately a, a, a new, uh, better world. And it will be the beginning of much more important uh, target. And this is the, the, uh, the creation of a settlement, historic settlement between us and the Palestinians, a very realistic one. We need to leave, to abandon all the ideas, the dreams, the conceptions of the, of the past, which we really understood on October the 7th that they are not relevant for the uh, social and political situation of the, of the two communities. And for all of that, uh, Ido, we need a leadership here in Israel. Israel. And I assess that the current leadership in Israel uh, is not, uh, I, I'm not sure that this is the, the, uh, the, uh, the right leadership that can promote really uh, historic uh, uh, decisions. I do wish that there will be elections and that a new, uh, a new leadership uh, maybe even broader, uh, a broader uh, leadership uh, based on a broader coalition will promote uh, such a, such historic uh, uh, decisions because I do think that a new nation should be born out of this uh, trauma. Well, on this happy note, uh, we will uh, we have to conclude. Let me just say that you're too young to remember October <laughs> 73, but um, but we we very few of us in October 73 could have imagined that six years later we will have a peace treaty with Egypt. So maybe maybe your your uh, your vision for the future is is correct. In any we, event, we say in Arabic, inshallah. Inshallah. So I want to thank you for taking the time to, to uh, spend this really educational 45 minutes. Uh, incredible conversation. Hopefully we'll get to host you again. Yeah, thank you, Ido. Thank you very much. And to our viewers and listeners back home, goodbye from Tel Aviv until our next episode.